and welcome to this week's episode of Pop Culture Double Date. Um, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus um, because we've been taking a little bit of a break since April and May. It's going to be a huge month. We've got we're doing huge. yeah we're doing Avengers, <laughs> Game of Thrones. That's right, <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Yeah, Game of Thrones, Hellboy, maybe like just a lot of pop culture John movies. Oh, is John Wick 3 coming out? Anyway, look, there's oh a lot... Oh, my God. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going out, so we thought we'd take a little break. But anyway, we are at the beginning of our huge April binge now, and we're kicking things off with Shazam! Um, that's the name of the <laughs> film. <laughs> that's the name of the film, Shazam. Um, yeah. So... You know, we're actually doing two Captain Marvel films in a row because Shazam was originally called Captain Marvel and for legal reasons, he had to change his name to Shazam. Um, so, yeah, we're doing <laughs> the DC version of Captain Marvel this week. Um, I'm joined, as usual, by Gerald, Anaja, and Maggie. Say hello, everyone. <laughs> hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. Oh, Jerry, classic. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so let's get started, shall we? So I, I'll, I'll just go give a little bit of a background about Shazam. Shazam is technically part of the DC cinematic universe, the same universe with, um, with such amazing films as Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman. Um, also has like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, that sort of thing. And, um, Shazam is like in my film like in my opinion a very different sort of film because the main hero is a kid and basically he gets special powers from a wizard i'm not making this up he gets special powers from a wizard and through these magical powers he becomes a grown-up superhero essentially so this movie is basically about how billy batson the kid who is you know he doesn't have He's, he's not an orphan, but he's kind of been abandoned, so he's kind of like a foster kid. He's been bossed, like bounced around different foster homes. He gets special powers. He becomes Shazam, and um, it's about him fighting this other guy who also wants special magical powers. Um, yeah, and it's basically about how Billy overcomes this, finds his family, and uh, yeah, becomes a superhero. That's kind of a really rough, high-level synopsis of Shazam. Um, this is going to be a full spoilers podcast. I always forget to say that, but this is a full spoilers podcast, and I'm hoping there won't be language, but you'll forgive us if we slip something in there, unfortunately. Um, okay, so what did we all think about Shazam? Who wants to shoot first? Jerry, why don't you go first this week? Okay, oh, look, I thought, I thought it was quite fun. I think... I think it's um, it's a good good move on the part of the DC extended universe to ma- to move away from the brooding psychopaths of the Zack Snyderverse um, <laughs> and to explore not only some of the second tier DC characters but to give the but to but to give them movies which are different in tone. So Shazam is very light, very effervescent. It's quite funny. Um, as many people have noted, it's big. Uh, meets Superman, um, and I think not since um, the Fast and the Furious movies have we seen an action movie, the core <laughs> of which is so centred on the notion of family. Um, <laughs> Billy Batson, <laughs> this is this is hilarious. Look, Billy Batson basically is the Dominic Toretto of the DC. Oh, <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> he, he is, and and well, look, you know, sort of. This is a this is a foster kid, who this is a kid who's bounced around various foster families. He lands within a foster family. He somehow finds himself um, blessed with these amazing powers, and for the fir- for the first twenty minutes of the movie, well, for the first twenty minutes are a bit rough, but once Zachary Levi turns up as Shazam, the movie becomes. A lot more fun as he tries to discover the implications of having these superpowers and tries to have fun with them. He's a YouTube star and a, and a street busker at once, uh, using his powers to um, to wow crowds around him. And he slowly settles into, um, you know, sort of using his superpowers to do good. 
particularly in light of the threat posed by the Mark Strong character. Um, and in so doing, he also discovers um, a foster family with with whom he fits um, for the first time, like, ever. Um, the movie... There, there are some weird things about the movie. There are there are there are instances where it's much more violent than a kids' movie would suggest. There is a scene where a woman touches a very hot door and ins- and gets incinerated. Yes, yes, that was very in which, people, yeah. in which people get massacred in a corporate boardroom <laughs> in the most sort of like horrific manner. Um, and uh, there is at least one false note, I think, in the way that. Um, Billy Batson's mother decides to abandon him. Basically, she loses him at some carnival uh, and then sees him being looked after by some cops and thinks he is best drop, be- better off uh, and will be looked after better in a, foster, in a foster home. And given the amount of horror stories we've read about, we've read and heard about children being abused in foster homes, it just seems to me utterly implausible that anybody could come to the conclusion that their child would be better off in a foster home than looked after by them. But So that struck me as a, as a bit of a false note. Having said that, I think the movie overcomes all of that largely because Zachary Levi is so great as the character of Shazam. Um, he, I mean, he, he does look a bit like a buff Jimmy Fallon, which is um, odd and took me out of the movie a bit. I think the movie, the movie as a whole, is fun, and as Billy Batson accommodates himself to this new foster family and forges, you know, long-lasting relationships with them, um, you know, the, the the notion of the fam the family you really have is the family you choose to have um, rings more true. So I thought, all in all, um, it was uh, it was a, it, it's probably one of the top two uh, DC movies. And, you know, in a sense, DC has been on a tear recently. I know everyone at this table uh, thought Aquaman was a bit of an abomination, but the fact of the matter is Aquaman is the highest-grossing DC movie of them all. And so... And so when you, is that when true? You take it, it, is, it is absolutely... <laughs> oh, my <one> God. Thanks <laughs> for right? Yeah. That, look, China was a big part of it, but it also made a, it also made a lot of money in the US and it got like there was a, the critical reception for Aquaman was nowhere near as hostile as it was for the Zack Snyder films so in light of all that um, I think we might be seeing a bit of an uptick for the DC Extended Universe particularly as it moves away from the tentpole characters um, Batman and Superman both of whom are, it, it seems the DC Extended Universe will likely abandon so um all in all, I think this was a this was a refreshing change of direction for for DC and Warner Brothers, and um, and you know the only thing that was missing, I think, given that he he does have um, an executive producer credit, is The Rock because five years ago he signed on as the character of Black Adam. I think we and correct me if I'm wrong, Darren, but he's Black Adam is one of the sort of uh, villains in the Shazam universe. Yes, that's right. And, he's, he's like the arch villain. He's like he's basically yeah. has Shazam's powers. He's like anti Shazam. So yeah, yeah. And I think I think he's hinted at because he's the he's the early character who unleashes the um, the seven deadly sins. So um, this movie would have been awesome with the Rock in it, but as it is, um, we may or may not see him appear in a sequel to this movie. Uh, but despite his absence, I, I thought it was quite a lot of fun. Yeah. Look, to the point of The Rock, w- what's kind of interesting... Look, I, mean, <laughs> I know this is a bit of a deviation, but did you think Zachary Levy was wearing a muscle suit? Yes. Yes. They were all wearing yeah. muscle suits, right? Yeah. The yeah. irony yeah. is if The Rock were in that film, he would be their size and he would not be wearing a muscle suit. Because he yeah. is legitimately that massive. So, anyway. Um, okay, cool. Um, there's a couple of points there that um, I want to touch on later, Jez. Because um, I, I definitely agree that there are... Um, there's a darkness about this film in certain at certain points which makes it not necessarily feel... Like, 
this, this kind of feels like a kids film and then there are points where it's like wow this is pretty heavy stuff um yeah and that's a little bit jarring um but we'll talk about that a bit later um mags do you want to shoot next yeah um I also liked it. Um, it's not my most favourite superhero movie, but for a sort of fun Friday night, it was definitely, um, you know, light-hearted and, um, you know, a simple, easy-to-follow story. Um, I felt like as I was watching it that it was it almost felt like a spoof of a superhero movie. Um, and when you see um, Zach Levy, when he, you know, he's playing Jazam, the way that they do his hair and even the superpowers that he he has, he, he feels like a spoof version of Superman. Kinda yeah, like, like a parody. It's almost a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think it was really well cast. Um, they, The actors, um, particularly <laughs> um, when his family, his foster family, the, the children in the foster family turn into um, Shazam superheroes as well, they all were really good in maintaining um, a kind of kid um, goofiness to their characters and to the way they were acting. Um, so I think that um, was a, a good contrast to those dark elements that you were talking about. Um, I, I definitely agree with you that there were parts of the story where it felt like, um, almost like, a, oh, what's it called, Stranger Things, where, you know, it, it, it's a kid's movie, but... There are elements of it that make you kind of step back a little bit and I don't know if it's their attempt to keep, to sort of walk the line between being a kid's movie and um, capturing the adult audience. Yeah, there's definitely uh, there's definitely a sense, sorry Max, there's definitely a sense that um, it, it feels a lot like these 80s kids films where a lot of these 80s kids films are ostensibly made for kids but there are elements of horror or like, um, like, like quite... yeah, yeah. Where when you rewatch <laughs> it, even as an adult, you're like, wow, that's a, it's a pretty heavy scene. Like, um, I think about like stuff like Never Ending Story and stuff, ostensibly kids movies, but there are scenes in there that are like pretty disturbed, right? You know, Dark Crystal, all of these sorts of fantasy-ish films that, and Goonies as well, where it's just, yeah, there's elements. That of like actual horror in there, right? And I definitely felt like with this, like even the opening scene of this film, I felt like there were horror elements in it, right? Like you know when he's sitting in the car, like the the main villain is sitting in the car, and he gets transported into the Shazam thing, and like there are all those demons kind of on the wall. It's it's quite. I felt it was actually quite scary, right? And then there's a car crash as well, which is rendered in like it, it's it's hyper realistic almost right it, it's it, it feels really unsettling um anyway max sorry, mm, sorry mm. about that interruption yeah no 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 that's all right um i was also going to say as well like mark strong i really liked how he played dr savannah in such a straight <laughs> such a straight face um yes. <laughs> he was so good at it like you could see even like the the like twinkle in his eye, you know, he's like purple eye. It's like ooh, <laughs> it, 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 I like I felt his villainy, but I also felt I also thought he was hilarious and how sort of straight back he played it. Um, I thought the chemistry between Zach Levy and the guy who plays Freddy, the um, Billy Batson's foster brother, was fantastic. They really sort of played off one another. There was real zing to it. Um, and I also liked how they had, I don't know if this is intentional, um, the contrast between Billy Batson's relationship and story with family versus Dr. Savannah's um, relationship with his family and that contrast between how those two different pathways led them to be to become, you know, the antithesis of one another when it comes to, you know, what a superhero is so, supposed to be. So we can talk about that a bit later. Cool. Yeah, absolutely agree. I, I think the family theme is important, and um, let's chat about that later. Um, cool. Thanks for that, Mags. Anja, do you want to... Yeah, wanna no, I completely yeah, agree with Mags and Gerald. It was fun. Look, it was a relief to... It was nice to watch a DC film that wasn't an effort. 
<laughs> it wasn't an effort to watch. Um, it, it was very, it did very much feel like a kid's film. And if you kind of a- approached it that way, then you wouldn't have as many problems with villains seeming oddly cartoonish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there were a lot, lots about it that were very, like, bizarrely childish. Like, for example, the wizard in the cave. Um, just the whole, all, all of it really. But I think what was, uh, there was lots of it that I really appreciated. So one, 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 one thing I liked about it was the idea. I loved that it started off very much Aladdin's cave, which is basically that for you to go into the cave and to touch the valuable objects, you have to be pure of heart. Um, and I love that it starts off in exactly the same way. And this wizard is constantly trying to find a child that is pure of heart. And I guess he's looking for a child because if anyone's going to be pure of heart, it's more likely to be a child than anyone else because simply because they haven't lived long enough to be um, as corrupted as the rest of us. But I think it's great that at the end, um, you know, things were falling to crap and so he really couldn't wait for someone who was pure of heart and he had to settle on Billy Batson. And so then it was a really interesting kind of hero's journey to see what was going to separate this kind of ordinary um, young man who um, was kind of very street smart but very much a, a common thief who had absolutely no interest in anybody other than himself um, and had no sense of community. What was gonna what was gonna make him the hero compared to the villain who started off as a child who was abused verbally and emotionally by his dad and his um, his family. Um, and instead of following the hero's journey, he followed the villain's journey of becoming very bitter and um, sort of twisted up by that and wanting power to try to compensate for the fact that he didn't have their love and admiration. So it was good to – I think I think that was that was interesting and different and novel and, and not not like your usual children's story. So I really liked that. I loved the um, theme of family. So, you know, what's important being the family that you create for yourself. Um, it would be great if you're born into the perfect family, but if you're not – all is not lost. You can create a beautiful family for yourself. Um, so that was a beautiful message there. I also agree that there were some really dark parts of it. Um, I Look, the message I got was not that his uh, biological mother genuinely thought he was going to be better off without her, but more so that she was finding it really difficult to be a very young single mum and she kind of saw an out and she... Um, she kind of talked herself into believing that it would be okay to take that out, which was surprising um, and really a really, really, really difficult, um, like intense emotional thing. And it's kind of funny that the movie—I I don't know—if the movie's going to raise that, it's kind of odd that they don't then really deal with it. It's as though um, Billy Batson—he finds his mum and he un- he realizes the truth, which is basically what everyone's told him his entire life, that she did not look for him, that she did not want him. And he kind of recognizes, oh, that, yeah, that was true. Um, And then he just, he gets over it and he adapts and he is very resilient and he just finds his family and his foster family, which I think is great, but it's hard to believe that that's how it would have played out. So, yeah. But I I think, yeah, it's funny because if you see it as a children's movie, you don't need these things to really ring true. But then it's such an adult thing for a children's movie, which is odd. Um, It was fun. I really, I loved it at the end when the solution to the problem was to get all of the family members in on the powers and they all became this great gang of superheroes. I absolutely loved that. Um I loved all of the um all of the characters. I thought Billy's what's the name of Billy's foster brother? Was it Freddie? Freddy? Yep, Freddie Freddy. was a great yeah, I thought Freddie was did an absolutely great job in that role. Um yep, I agree with Mags that his his um chemistry with Shazam was fantastic. Um and I just think the guy who played Shazam did such a good job of kind of acting like a child in an adult's body um, with superhero powers. Um, it was great. So, yeah, I think it was a good movie. Not the best, um, but enjoyable. Darren? Yeah, Andrew, i got to say, like, I, I think we're actually in one of our rare episodes now. I think we're all pretty much agreed <laughs> on Shazam because 
Yeah. Like, I 100% agree. Like, it was a good movie, but it wasn't like... It's not a movie that I would love. This is a movie that I think, if I switched on, like, say, at 3pm in an afternoon, and it was on TV or Netflix... Oh, hello? Yep, we're here. Hello, Darren. What happened to Darren? Darren. Hang on, let me just go find him. Hello, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we lost you at 3 p.m. on Netflix. Oh, sorry. I, I accidentally <laughs> put myself on mute. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> probably for the best, but... Um, no, like, if, if I switch this on at 3 p.m. on a Netflix, right, I'd actually be very happy with this film because it's... um, It, it, it just feels like a sort of fun sort of throwaway... throwaway well, not throw away, but, like, it's not a film that I would definitely put in my, like, top ten superhero movies of all time, right? But when I was watching it, I enjoyed it, and I think it does say something, because when I watched it last night, I was so tired. I I could have... I think pretty if I had watched Aquaman, I would have fallen asleep halfway through it, because I was that tired. So, um, yeah, so it managed to maintain my interest for that period of time. I, th- I think, I mean, reflecting on why I don't think it's an amazing film, but it's a good film. Um, and I, I think a lot of it does have to do with what Anija was saying around. Um, so while I do appreciate that there is this f- theme of family that runs throughout, um, throughout the, throughout the film, um, I, I feel like the resolution of that theme is not 100% satisfying and you kind of do get away with it because it's it is kind of framed as a kids film but at the same time it it does feel odd right that Billy is able to get over it so quickly well I mean firstly Anna just absolutely right the the idea of child abandonment is like a really deep heavy theme right like and it's something it's kind of linked to like you know like the horror elements that are in the film there are these these thematic and like practical effect elements in the film that are actually quite mature in some ways, right? And I think this child abandonment issue is one of those issues, right? But the way they deal deal with it is almost in a kid's film way. They take this really deep issue and they kind of resolve it in a sort of kid's film sort of way, right? Which is like, it kind of all just wraps up in a nice little bow. And basically it wraps up because Billy is able to accept basically within moving in with this foster family for three days, I think, three or four days, that, okay, these guys are now my family, right? And he's able to let go of this sort of emotional trauma that he's held on for, for what we assume has been, like, ten years. His entire... Yeah, Yeah, his entire... Yeah. Trying to fight his mum for the entire time. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, and the thing that was getting getting him through was the hope that she hadn't abandoned him, and then suddenly, yep, she has. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah and then exactly. there's and, and then there are these guys that he's known for like three or four days, and he's like, okay, one hundred percent, I'm in with these guys now. So that that feels a little bit odd, and I think again, it's one of these things where I feel that if they had maybe put some sort of time skip element in there or something like that, it would have been more believable, right? If he'd lived with them for like a year or two or something like that, it can't be like, oh, that makes sense because they've had time to kind of establish the relationship. But the fact that it's like three or four days, like, I don't know, maybe Billy's superpower is that he's super well emotionally adjusted, right? Like he just has no emotional issues. He's his own therapist, essentially. So, um, um, yeah, so that was... That was a bit odd. The the other thing that I found a little bit odd about this film was... Um, so, I, I think what they were trying to set up in the early part of the film was that, um, basically, both Freddy and Billy were pretty immature kids, right? So... I think they developed this relationship where Freddy was getting all these YouTube views and he was basically, like, living vicariously, like, the fame, living vicariously through the fame of Shazam, which in itself is problematic. And Billy was was not a particularly responsible guy. He had all these powers and he was not particularly responsible for with them, right? And so basically you have this situation where both of them have kind of flaws with themselves and technically the 
the film should be about how they resolve those flaws, and in resolving those flaws, they become better people and heroes, etc., right? So with Billy becoming a more responsible person, I, I think there is some of that, right? Like, as in, he causes the bus to fall off the highway, but then he rescues them, and then you know, like, he gets confronted by Freddy about busking and, like, basically using his powers for, like, to basically scam, well, not scam people off their money, but basically hustle, like, hustle money. And that kind of puts him in his place a little bit. I kind of felt like the Freddy subplot didn't properly resolve because you had this situation where, really, Freddy, like, was kind of... He was using Shazam to to live vicariously, right? And also sort of getting a little bit um, full of himself because he was kind of involved with the whole Shazam thing. But, like, I I don't feel like Freddy ever has that moment where he kind of realises where, like, what's what's been going wrong with him as well. So in that way, I, I didn't feel like those character arcs were fully resolved. Like, instead, Freddy kind of just became um, Billy's conscience a little bit. Like, Freddy kind of shifted from having a character arc of his own to having... to basically becoming Billy's conscience, and then he became a superhero, right? He got the Shazam power. So, that for me was a little bit weird. So, I felt like tonally, this film was a little bit choppy. Um but potentially intentionally choppy because I thought potentially it was a film that was trying to emulate some of these 80s films that did have very dark elements and had like quite dark themes around them even though they were billed as kids films Um, and I think the other thing for me was that um, from a character development perspective there was choppiness in it as well right like not all the character arcs were in my mind like sort of satisfactorily um played out by the end. On, on the topic of choppy character development, did you feel that the, char- the, the character of Billy Batson and the character of Shazam had completely different personalities despite being the same person? <laughs> yes. It, 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 yeah, Shazam is an... so much more fun yes. and so much more of a smart-ass, whereas Billy Batson, like, he's not he's not a complete sad sack, but he's definitely a lot more of a sad sack than Shazam. Yeah. Yeah, like... Look, I've read reviews about this film where people have said, "Oh, Billy and Shazam are seamless," and I'm like, I I agree with that. I don't, I don't I don't agree with that in the sense that I, I don't think they were seamless. Shazam was Zachary Levy was much more charismatic than the kid who played Billy Batson, right? When Zachary Levy is on the screen, it's like it feels fun, right? It feels like a kids film, <laughs> right? It lights up really. Yeah. yeah. While when Billy's on the screen, it feels like. A downer, like, an adolescent. Downer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it feels like it's going to be a film about foster kids and trauma, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Look, I, 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 agree with that. That there is choppiness with that as well, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, what were we going to talk about? Um, there were there were a couple of other things I wanted to talk about. Um, which is so, okay. So. What did we think about... um, So, I think with Shazam as a film, DC basically tried to, like, not necessarily tie into their main universe, right? And just have these sort of standalone films that are sort of interesting and creative, but don't necessarily tie into a wider narrative. Um, Do do we think that was a good decision here? Uh, I I think it was. I, I felt like this was, like, a fun sort of standalone film but um i think they have to adapt because the way they were going wasn't working for them yeah 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 definitely i I definitely feel like it it's good that they're not just trying to emulate marvel or look i mean i think marvel have earned the right to do like highly integrated stories and dc haven't and i'm glad that they've started from the ground up building their characters from the ground up again um, instead of trying to integrate into this crazy universe immediately, right? Like, it's, it, it, it makes for much more interesting films. Um, I think, I think any, any move away from the Snyderverse is a good decision on the part of Warner Brothers and DC. Uh, not so long ago, uh, Zack Snyder, either speaking at a Q, an audience Q&A or in an interview, 
said that for those of you who are complaining that Superman is too broody and too angry and that Batman is a psychopath, like you're not living in, and as a, a, I think, I think the quote is, you're not living in the, you're not, you're not living in the real fucking world. Well, what does that I, even I, mean? What does that mean? What? <laughs> you're not well, living. He's saying it's a dark world. He's yeah, he's just saying it's a dark, it's a dark world. world. But he's got this extraordinarily cynical vision of the world, and he wants, he basically wants his superheroes to conform to that extremely cynical vision uh, of the way the the world works, and. Um, I think it just completely turned audiences off. It is, uh, it, it is a complete betrayal of everyone's understanding of who Superman is, and it, it really does make Batman a very, very unpleasant character. So the fact that, um, at least in Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam, um, the the executives behind. Uh, this franchise have decided to to move away from the Snyder vision of how these characters should be presented is something to be encouraged and applauded because where those movies was go- were going was was um, a dark place and possibly irredeemable. So I think um, this this the the decision to to focus on these second tier characters um, who. Well, Wonder Woman is not, a, is not a second well, I mean, character in you, but DCU, a, right? A, like, yeah. Aquaman and Shazam definitely are. Yes, that's true. Um, and, and they're less familiar to audiences. And the fact that DC has decided to focus on them and to make them and to make them a tonal departure from the Snyder films uh, is absolutely 100% the right thing to do. So, but th- let me ask you a question then, right? Like, so within the Shazam film, they were clearly trying to. It was a standalone film. Absolutely, it was a standalone film, right? Like, you could watch this film quite happily. Um, there could be no sequel to this ever, and I feel like it would be fine, right? But they definitely. There were elements of this film where they were definitely trying to lay the groundwork for, like, a magic realm, right? So, in. There were elements of this film that kind of reminded me of the first Thor, you know, in Thor, they talk about Midgard and all the, the seven realms or whatever it is, right? And, you know, the Bifrost and all this type of stuff. And in this film, there was also talk of, like, seven realms of magic or whatever. That's right. I, thought, I think it was seven realms of magic. Um, and you kind of get glimpses into this wider world of magic um, because, you know, they go into Shazam's cave um, and there are all those doors, right? And I imagine that those are all doors to other worlds or whatever it is. I'm not entirely oh. sure what Shazam's cave is. It definitely, like, it definitely builds a mythos around and builds mystery around the whole Shazam mythos, right? Because you have this old wizard who was sitting there <laughs> and turned to dust, and he's basically given zero instructions. To his successor, like he's, he's just hanging no... out in a room, just hanging out there for... <laughs> for, forever, right? And then his successor comes and he's giving him no instructions. And so, like, in some ways, it's good, right? Because as an audience, we're kind of asked to figure it out. Um, but are we interested in that, or did you, did you like? Are you interested in finding out more about the whole Shazam thing, or like you could take it or leave it? A little oh, bit. I mean, why are there only six people at the end? Shouldn't there be seven? Yeah. That was what I was just counting on my fingers as well. But I thought that was quite, like, for me, I thought that was actually quite interesting. Like, is there a, is the next story, are they going to build about mm. finding the seventh member and then, yeah. you know. Could it be The like Rock? That? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Bring him in, please. Um, and, like, I liked how they, you know, the seven deadly the, the seven sins, and then you've got the seven realms, and then you've got seven people, like seven the seven signs, the, you know, the symbols, seven by yeah. seven with the symbols. Seven yeah. Times. yeah, and then yeah. the lady touches the door and becomes a skeleton. That was, Gerald was right. That was a crazy, scary moment. I thought that was so <laughs> out of place. It's like, what? It felt like... Yeah, if, I, if, I, if I was a kid watching this movie, I would have been traumatized by that. Yeah, so mm. I'll, I'll tell you, exa- the scene that it reminded me of exactly was in the original Tim Burton Batman film. Do you remember when the Joker yeah. electrocutes the guy with the... Uh, yep. 
with the handshake that, thing. That traumatized yeah. me as a kid when I watched it. I was like, absolutely, is- absolutely. I was. How old would I have been? I would have been about six or seven when I watched that, and uh, it just. I, I have actually not revisited the original Tim Burton Batman movie, principally because of a, that scene. Yeah, that scene. I rewatched it, and that scene still scares me. I remember how much that scene scared me because up to that point, my understanding of Batman was Adam West Batman, right? Like, there was none of this. And then all of a sudden, the guy turns a guy into this char-grilled skeleton. So this, the scene with um, the door turning the lady into a skeleton, I imagine that's going to scar kids, the next generation of kids going forward. So if you have kids, please ask them how, how that scene affected them. <laughs> because, um, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Like, I like I liked how they made you know it was a it was a really fun, lighthearted and, and hopeful tone to the movie, and the way that they integrated you know the other DC superheroes into the movie was very similar. Like you know you've got the batarang, the bullet that the guy had saved, then you had you know when they were running through the toy store and. Um, Mark Strom's character is chasing Billy Batson in the Shazam form and he's throwing Batman at him, like the, the soft toy version of Batman at him. I thought that was quite fun. And then the cartoon, like, closing credits where they were making fun of what, you know, it's almost like they took the criticism of um, the Batman-Superman movies um, that they were too dark and turned it on his head in, that, in the cartoon closing credits. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree with that. I think that's that was quite fun. What was weird with that was that it was incongruous with the existing continuity because um, in the existing continuity, in Batman versus Superman, you're told that Batman is an urban legend. No one even thinks he exists, right? So why is all of a sudden this guy being put on the same pedestal as Superman? It, it feels a bit strange, right? I mean, well, it's I, also... Yeah. No, go, go away. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I guess maybe I wondered when they were, you know, at the end of the movie, whether or not they were almost using this movie as a way to test, like, an alternative universe. Yeah, maybe it's like a soft reboot sort of, well, not like an unofficial reboot sort of thing, right? Where they're just going to subtly change these characters and kind of go, hey... They well, as... well, we know that we know that's coming because Batfleck has been sacked, and, yeah. and there's a real possibility that Cavill has been sacked as Superman as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I, I think Cavill has been sacked as Superman. Well, he said that he's well, not. They... Yeah, so yeah, maybe they're just going to like sort of on the down low just change these guys' characters as these films progress, and like three or four films down the track, they'll just go, "Oh, Batman versus Superman." Uh, that didn't occur, that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, okay, so to the point of... Um, I, w- I wanted to quickly touch on um, Shazam, the old wizard guy as well, because I, I, Anija brought this up, and it was actually something that I thought was quite interesting in this film. I, I quite liked it in this film, how... Um, like you kind of have this theme that runs through this film of family acceptance and like positive versus negative reinforcement a little bit like where um Dr. Savannah who is Mark Strong's character basically he his family his his dad and his brother basically treat him pretty poorly and sort of uh strong proponents of negative reinforcement where basically they just criticize him negatively without giving him any sort of positive encouragement and punishment yeah it's just punishment right they're like sticks all sticks no carrots right and i actually quite liked that shazam the old wizard it was kind of like that as well um and in some ways shazam Mm. shazam contributed to the creation of this villain because he was also not about positive sorry because he was so mean he yeah, was he was just mean. You're unworthy. You're you didn't ba- make it. <laughs> yeah, now piss off, kid. You didn't make it. You're, a, you're a, and then you're, this kid you has. To... This, this, you reckon this movie is an allegorical warning about the perils of Asian tiger parenthood? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I know, we got... 
I think it's look. I let, let's not put specific labels to it, but I think it is. I think there is. Look, I, I don't necessarily think that's untrue. I think there is an allegorical element where it's kind of like if you're a family where you actually have no love and your love is just represented by like constantly berating and chastising your child and basically telling him how he never measures up. That's probably going to make him into quite a cynical, unhappy, like, effed up person in the future, right? So, um, I I think, yeah, I I think definitely there is an element of, you know, loving, caring environments are more conducive to um, sort of bringing up more well-rounded sort of balanced individuals, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It, it was weird that that wizard was so mean. <laughs> yeah, he was incredibly mean. Yeah, and so that's why I loved, like, to your point, Anija, I loved when basically he had no choice but to accept <laughs> Billy, right? It's kind of like, he is unhappy that he has to accept Billy. Billy is kind of like, well, I have no idea what's going on and so you have this guy who like this wizard who doesn't really like him but then as his last thing he has to give him his powers and then he just f's off without like any sort of succession planning or anything like that right it's kind of like this horrible horrible parent who is just like hey this is your inheritance now i'm just gonna bugger off i'm not gonna teach you anything goodbye all right and you're not worthy either so like he was, he was such he was such a crabby person, right? So it it was odd. I mean, in some ways, it didn't matter as much because he was almost like a sideshow character. He was like a MacGuffin almost, right? But it was really odd how he was written in such a crabby, like misanthropic sort of way, right? Like, um, yeah. So that was that was. I like that. I like that. It was unusual. Yeah, it's really, really unusual. And like, obviously, it's it was nice that so like the guy who gives him his powers basically. And I, I guess maybe it's linked to this idea of, you know, Jerry was saying that there is this theme that runs through it, which is family is who you choose rather than like what is imposed on you, right? And it's kind of like in the same way that biology is imposed on you. Like, these powers were kind of imposed on him. But what makes him a superhero is not necessarily just the powers alone that were imposed on him, but the kind of... the loving family that he chooses is what sort of allows him to sort of blossom into a proper superhero, right? Um, So perhaps that's kind of linked. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Um, But, yeah. Mm. Um, Yeah. What about Dr. Savannah as a um, villain? Did you think that he... He was a bit of a cartoonish villain. Did, did you think that yeah. he was... But did you think he was as bad as, like, a Steppenwolf? No. Because at least you saw his backstory and, and why he was so bitter. Even if it was a leap from, you know, to... Like, no one is that cartoonish, regardless of what history they've had. And But at least you saw some of that, and at least you could kind of understand his motivations... So not as bad as Steppenwolf, but he could have been a lot better. I think we could have added some dimension to him, you know, some a little bit of care for somebody or something, even if it was his father. Actually, I think if he still cared for his father, that would have added something to it. Yeah, a bit of emotional depth, right? If he had cared for his father and actually wanted his father to, as in like, he hadn't been so cavalier about executing his father. I think it yeah. would have added something there, right? Like, you know, if his father had rejected him one last time or wherever it was, right? Yeah, that's, he, it, that's it. Or maybe the demons forced him, like, had was clearly manipulating his mind to force him into um, doing it. But as it turned out, he just... Yeah, that would have added some humanity to it, yeah. Can I just say, I, I quite enjoyed the moment when he throws his brother out the window. <laughs> that was so <laughs> abrupt. And look, I thought that was hilarious. Jerry, the whole demon carnage scene was pretty brutal as well, right? Yeah, like it was, it, was very, it was very, very brutal. I mean, we see we see heads getting bitten off by by demons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like you know, like the scene where the secretary goes up to the frosted glass. That's like straight out of a horror film, right? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the, the director of the movie did cut his teeth on horror movies. So, oh, really? Um, 
yeah, yeah. so um, or he this is his third feature, and his previous two features had been horror films. When you when you also bear in mind that James Wan, who made Aquaman, had previously made nothing but horror movies, with the exception of Fast and Furious Seven. Uh, yeah, there there seems to be this pattern of um, DC uh, the DC EU tapping horror directors on the shoulder and saying, okay, why don't you try your hand at a superhero movie and you have a bit of free reign to it to add some horror-inflected elements uh, to it as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so there was de- there are definite horror elements in this movie. Uh, having said that, I don't think anything got quite as violent as the boardroom scene after for the rest of the movie. I think the rest of the movie actually was considerably... Um, yeah, this is true. Violent. Because when they go to the amusement park, like, no one is getting capped, right? The demons are biting people's heads off in the amusement park for whatever reason. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the, like... And even when they fight the Shazam family, it feels like a cartoon fight, right? Because, like, at no point do you actually feel like the demons are actually going in for the kill. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're kind of, like, punching each other, but it's, like, the sort of bam, kapow style, rather than, like, oh, the demon's going to bite this guy's head off. So, um, speaking of that final scene when they all get superpowers, did anybody actually figure out what Mary's superpower was? So you're the oldest daughter. Mm. What was her superpower? Didn't they all have the same superpowers? Didn't were they all like? Didn't Billy have all of them, and then each of them kind of individually had one of them? Really? I, I, I didn't notice that. Did they all? Like, how did you? How did you? So Anija didn't read it like I did. How did you? The other guy, Jerry Mags. How did you guys read it? I thought they each got a different one because they were. You know how like they were trying to the whole half the movie was Billy trying to work out what superpowers he had with Freddy, and that's what got them the YouTube sensation following. And then each, when um, all the kids turned into Shazam superheroes, um, they were testing the powers, and so the Asian guy had the lightning bolt, the the little girl had the, she was a fast runner, Um, Billy could fly. Freddy could fry, fly. Oh, right? sorry, Freddy could fly. Um, the Latino one was strong. Yeah, that's Mary, right. Yeah, that, that's how I saw it as well. But I... That makes a lot of sense. So but, Shazam's still the most powerful. Yeah, that makes sense. But, but what does Mary do? Because Mary what doesn't is, actually <laughs> have a scene where she's fighting people. Well, because, like, you know, all of the other kids have a scene where they're, like, fighting yeah. their other... And then Mary is just kind of strode in this sort of wrestling the tentacle monster. And that's it. So I felt like... Sorry? Yeah, but the Latino, has, the Latino guy has the super strength. Hmm. Yeah, because he, he stopped know. the Ferris wheel from falling oh, yeah. down. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. wasn't, like... So the word Shazam, I read somewhere, is... The first letter of like a different Greek god or figure, right? It's not just Greek. So S is for oh. Solomon. It's like wisdom of oh, Solomon. Solomon. It's something oh. of Achilles, maybe. Maybe it's Achilles. I can't remember. Like so, S H is, is Hercules, right? Like strength oh. of Hercules. Um, yeah. Something of Z is Zeus. Uh, no, okay. I don't think Ares in there because Ares is leg- a bad guy in this universe. Remember, remember, he was in Wonder Woman. He was the middle-aged English guy that you loved, Anija. Um, Mary, yeah. maybe Mary Smart, the wisdom of Solomon. That's her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's smart in the real because that's her actual. She's, she's power, going right? to college. Yeah, she is. She's going. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, she's the smart one. That would suck. Wise. Oh my god, that would so suck. That yeah, that's, a, that's a crap superpower. <laughs> yeah. It, well, in a fight where you're in a fight against demons, what are you gonna do? <laughs> you're gonna do algebra. <laughs> that's right. It's a math Olympia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, but then that's Shazam. That's six letters, right? And so Billy has yeah. all of them, which is why he's seven, right? He's seven because he has all of them. 
And the six other guys have one of each of the other guys. Yeah. Five other guys. There's only six of them all together. Yeah, that's right. It's There's really, only, uh, yeah. It's really weird. At the moment. So I, I think we're missing one. We're definitely, yeah, we're definitely missing one, right? Like, we're definitely missing one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I guess that's that's interest. And um, would you guys watch a sequel to this film? Only if we had to. <laughs> I think. I mean, <laughs> I wow. Given given that given that the setup for the next movie is that the villain is that talking worm, I'd actually be curious to see how they pull off a movie in which the villain is a talking worm. True. Yeah, there's, I was there's like, also... what the hell is that worm? Like, yeah, that was just the worm because they teased that at the beginning of the film because the worm was in apparently a cage, right? It's part, apparently, it's part of the Shazam universe. It is a lesser-known villain of the Shazam universe. Yeah. That, well, apparently, I, yeah. also the crocodile yeah. men. You know, when he opens oh. the door and there's a crocodile playing cards. Oh yeah. The crocodiles yeah. apparently they're villains as well. So I think this yeah. is actually a pretty kooky, like. Old school comic book universe, yeah. right? So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I hope the Rock is not the talking worm. No, no, he's not <laughs> the talking worm. He's not the talking worm. Don't worry, Max. He's definitely. That would be really sad. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I think we're done with Shazam, right? So overall, a good film, not an amazing film, but it was pretty fun. Um, some weird sort of tonal issues. But we generally enjoyed it, right? I'd say that's that the case. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so next week is going to be a big week because we all know that this Monday is a big day. Sorry. That's right. Gerald will finally get to talk about Slip Game of Thrones references into a podcast where it's 100% appropriate. Can't wait. Ah. And so there's that, and then there's Avengers Endgame, and all these superhero films we've been watching, there's trailers for Avengers Endgame, and every time I watch that trailer, I get massively hyped for Avengers Endgame, so we're super Mm. looking forward to that, and that's has meaning for us as a podcast as well, because we started our podcast because of Avengers Infinity War. We did! So, So it's almost like we're closing out the first circle, so yeah. Um, so there's Avengers Endgame and a plethora of other, other superhero and pop culture um, stuff that's coming out. So definitely um, next week we will be podcasting about Game of Thrones. Hopefully as soon as that episode comes out, we'll yeah. talk about it because we are huge Thrones fans. And when yes. Avengers, and we'll be doing a weekly podcast of Thrones, I believe. Is that yes. right, guys? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's an affirmative, definitely. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining us tonight to talk about Shazam. And we'll see you next week and the following weeks to talk about Game of Thrones, Avengers, and all the other pop culture stuff that's coming down the line. Thanks so much, everybody. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Ciao.